This is the Chapel Real Estate Show, episode number 28. Welcome to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so you can buy, sell, and invest with the best in Texas. Whether you're a first-time buyer, a current homeowner, or a seasoned investor, you've come to the right place. We're here to simplify all things real estate so you can achieve your goals of property ownership with your hosts, Daniel and Roger Chapel. What's up, listeners, and thank you guys for tuning into the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so that you can learn how to buy, sell, and invest with the best. It's Daniel Chapel, your host, here with you today, and I've got my dad joining us on Zoom. What's up, Dad? How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing very, very well. So as we all know, the Austin market has continued to flourish these last couple of months. And what does that mean for people who are buying and trying to move into their homes? Well, something that my fiance and I didn't really take into consideration was how difficult it's going to be to get a hold of a moving truck, how much planning it takes to get um, you, you know moved from one house to another, whether it be inner city, whether you're going uh, interstate, intrastate, um, you know, there's all kinds of moves happening. So today we're going to talk about getting you guys prepared for your move. There's a lot of steps that come along with getting yourself packed up, getting everything loaded onto a moving truck. Who's going to get it all loaded onto the truck? What are you going to do when it gets there? Um, so we're going to talk about all that stuff for you guys today. We're also going to get into some of the things that could affect your move-in date, whether it be uh, leasebacks on the contract, that kind of thing. So we're going to talk about everything you guys need to know to make sure that you can get moved in on time. So, Dad, let's go ahead and hand it over to you to give our listeners today's chapel chunk. So, today's chapel chunk is to be prepared when it comes to make the actual move. So, there's going to have to be some planning and preparation done prior to the closing date uh, in order for you to be able to uh, successfully uh, move and relocate. So, there's a lot involved in it. So uh, your real estate professional should be able to guide you in that as well and provide you with uh, the necessary referrals and uh, some of the other folks that they work with to be able to make this a very smooth move for you. So I like that phrase, smooth move. That's, uh, smooth move. that's the phrase of the day, smooth move. That's it. And of course, if you are local in the Austin area, do not hesitate to reach out to us. We have the best referrals from moving companies for you guys if you're looking to either move from Austin or looking to make a local move in Austin. So uh, reach out to us. We're happy to help you guys out. So let's get into the first topic of today. When do you actually take possession of the house? So dad, why don't you start this one off for us? I mean, I think we'll, we'll kick it off with contracts and kind of figure, you know, how do you get into the move process to begin with? Yeah, so uh, when do you actually take possession of the home literally depends on the contract. So every deal has a different move-in date. So just because you close on August the 2nd, 2021, doesn't necessarily mean you take possession of that home on August, 22nd, or on August 2nd, 2021. It could depend on uh, several factors. Number one, is there a lease back on the home? What does that mean? Well, typically the person, the seller, uh, that is in the home may want to do a lease back, meaning they will pay the new owner uh, to stay in that house for a period of time. And there can be a number of reasons why that's necessary. It could be that they're waiting for a new construction project to finish so they can move into their new home. It could be that the home that they're moving into, those sellers have a lease back. So it's kind of a domino effect. 
Uh, it could be any number of things. So a lot of that depends on when that what is in your actual contract as far as the the move in date is concerned. So it can vary from uh, a day or two to a couple of three weeks uh, into uh, a couple of months. It just literally depends on your contract. So if uh, let's say I have a closing today, August 2nd, do I get to move in as soon as I walk away from the closing table? How does that work? You might. Uh, it just depends. So let's assume uh, in, in that particular scenario, there is no leaseback. So if there is no leaseback, once the property funds, meaning once the lender or the banking institution has released the funds, then you would obtain the, the keys to that property. And at that point, you'll be able to move into that property. Now, on new construction, that uh, depends again. Uh, a lot of times people are using the lenders that are attached to the new construction project. So those fund usually very quickly. Sometimes they use outside lenders and the outside lenders may take a little bit longer to fund. Uh, it just depends. But once it funds, that is the key uh, time right there. As soon as it funds, then you take possession of that property. And at that point, you are the owner and you can move into it. Yeah. And just to clarify, funding means that both parties of the transaction have signed. So if you are on the buying side of the transaction and you just so happen to be the first one to sign, that transaction will not fund until the seller has also signed. Um, so that is a key note. So if you're the buyer and you are first to sign, do not expect to walk away from the closing table with your keys because it might not happen. Yeah, that's right. And depending on the time of day that you close to, you might not get the keys until the following day. So a lot depends on the actual funding. So financial institutions typically will fund before 3 p.m. Central Time. But after 3 p.m. Central Time, it may not fund until the next day. So we have to be cognizant of that. There are rare occasions where we'll still fund that same day. Uh, but typically, uh, if it's after 3 p.m. Central Time, it's probably not going to fund until the next day. So just count on that. Uh, so that you can actually have all of that uh, ready for you uh, and, and be able to prepare your move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I'm going through the process of getting packed up, we've got a house under contract. We're going through the motions. Um, I mean, at what point do I need to start thinking about getting utilities and stuff turned on for the house that I'll be moving into? How does that work? So a lot depends on uh, when you're actually going to close. I don't suggest to the buyers that they work on switching utilities over or anything until they get to about a week of closing. And at that point, they really want to start trying to figure out, okay, do they have to put down new deposits? Are they going to have to open up a new account? Or is it just simply going to transfer from one owner to the next? Uh, how's that going to work? And different utility providers have different systems. So you need to reach out to those utility providers uh, so that you can get that planned properly. So typically about a week before the actual closing date is when uh, I recommend to the buyers to go ahead and have that set up. Now, for new construction, if you're moving into a brand new home, then typically the builders will allow three to five days after closing, and that's three to five typically working days after closing to get your utilities switched over. Uh, and again, that depends on the builder. They don't all do that, so you need to find that out from, uh, in the beginning. But once you uh, get that, that information from you, you should go ahead and set it up to have your utilities transferred over. So some of the services that you need to be concerned about will be, first of all, your electricity provider. Uh, and in some areas, like in Texas, you can choose your own provider. Some areas you can't. So you need to find out what the restrictions are for that specific property. And then you contact various utility providers, utility meaning electricity. Then you also have your water and sewage and sometimes trash can all be with the same entities. Sometimes it's not. 
sometimes those are actually with uh, different providers. So you need to, to check on those as well. Uh, and then you can have those. Sometimes they can transfer over. Sometimes you have to begin new service. It just depends. All right, so some of the other utility providers uh, that you may be uh, uh, thinking about are maybe Internet, cable TV, satellite. Uh, it just depends on what kind of entertainment you might want in the house. Uh, for many folks, they need broadband uh, for their work and things of that nature. So uh, a lot of times you can find out before closing who the actual Internet providers are so that you can have that uh, switched over as well. Yeah, and a lot of these utility services as well, especially when it comes to cable and internet, you can get those set up uh, a week or two prior. Um, I know a lot of times there are some scheduling issues. It's kind of tough to get people to come out and actually install the routers and modems and the dishes and all that stuff. Um, so that is one that I would actually recommend at least a week before closing you schedule out and schedule it for maybe the day after closing or, or soon after closing if you have an early morning closing and you're confident that it may fund that day. Um, so that's that's one of those ones that especially for for like me and my fiance, I work from home. I run my business from here. So it is extremely important for me to have access to the Internet as soon as we got moved in. So that was one appointment that I scheduled very early in advance. Yeah, isn't it funny, though, how times change where one of the first things you get set up when you get moved in your new home is an office? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I'd say that that is one of the, the very, very big reasons why real estate has taken off over the last year and a half. That I agree. Yeah, people need to work from home now. So uh, all kinds of changes are happening just because of an office or a home office. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's all really good information. So now we've got a, got a good idea of how we get the utilities and everything set up. Now let's kind of start talking about movers. I know that is, is probably going to be the most stressful part of the whole moving process is figuring out how you're going to get everything from point A to point B. So um, let's kind of talk about that. Yeah, so it depends. I mean, the, the moving side of it can be stressful or it can be stress-free. Uh, literally, there's both spectrums there. So uh, your mom and I, of course, we relocated from Houston to San Diego and then from San Diego here to Georgetown. And both moves, they, those were major moves. But because she was being relocated, then there was a relocation package that came along with that from her employer. So with those kinds of moves, they're actually very simple. So they have uh, different vendors that they use. We were free to call around and get some pricing and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, in those two particular moves, we didn't have to worry about paying for it. It was all coming from the company. So uh, with that, we were able to choose two different, uh, you know, both times, two different movers. And you talk about easy, uh, literally, they showed up at my door and there were five or six people the first day that were there to do nothing but pack on one day. And they made me stay out of the way. I was not allowed to help them pack anything. I was not allowed to carry boxes, nothing. I had to literally stay out of the way. The next day, the 18-wheeler uh, pulled up, and they loaded everything from the house onto that 18-wheeler. It took them all day to do it, but they did get it all loaded. Uh, and then the third day is when they took off headed to San Diego. On the way back, they did the same thing in reverse. Uh, they loaded everything up, and again, we weren't allowed to do anything. And the main reason is some of these movers have insurance carriers that uh, will not uh, that prohibit the owner from actually packing or being in there while this stuff is happening. And then again, some of the other things to keep in mind is that there are some things that movers will not pack and move for you. Uh, it just depends on what it is. So things like your lawn chemicals, uh, sometimes alcohol, uh, open bottles of alcohol in particular, they will not transport those. Um, 
like flammable liquids, uh, if it's gasoline cans and things of that nature, uh, they won't transport that in one of these big moving trucks. Uh, so various things like that. So you really need to be cognizant of that and to make plans for that before you actually move. Uh, I know the first time that we moved, I wound up giving the neighbor uh, a lot of things that the movers would not take. But I knew I wasn't coming back to that house. What am I going to do with this stuff? So I, I gave it to the neighbor. But uh, so just be aware that some of those things, some of those restrictions do apply. Uh, so one, one of the things, too, that I, I think about is, are you moving locally? Are you moving within the state? Or are you moving somewhere else within the country? Uh, or are you coming internationally? All of those have different things that you need to be concerned about, not necessarily concerned about, but things that you need to plan for. So a local move, that's everything from uh, you and your buddies getting together and uh, borrowing or, or leasing a truck or a, a trailer and moving things. Well, you need to make sure you get that truck or that trailer reserved well in advance. Because in today's times, with as much movement as happening around here, even with local moves, there may not be a truck or trailer available for the date that you want it. So once you get past your option period in your house, then I would suggest going ahead and starting lining that up. So that's usually about three weeks before closing uh, here in Texas anyway. It could be different on your contract. I mean, if it's a cash deal, it's going to happen very quickly. Uh, but if it's, a, if it's something that's got a loan involved in it, you're going to have a little bit of time. So you want to make sure that you plan that out well in advance. Uh, as far as the things to look for, whether it's local or interstate, interstate uh, movers, international movers, uh, you want to make sure that you get somebody that's insured and it's bonded. And the reason being is that sometimes, and this has happened on both of our moves, our property got damaged. Uh, and sometimes I don't think it can be helped. When they're loading up these big trucks, uh, things shift uh, while in motion. And I mean, when you're traveling halfway across the country, there's likely that the, there's a very real likelihood that some of that furniture may be damaged. Now, it can be ruined or it can be damaged. And because they were insured and bonded, then these items could either be repaired or replaced. And we've had to go through that process for both. You just file an insurance claim. For the local moves, it's the same thing. Uh, make sure that you have somebody that's insured and bonded. There are various websites that you can check to get reviews. And then one of the, my biggest things is work by referral. Get that information either from your real estate professional or someone that you know who has worked with these people before because the referral is the best compliment possible. So when you go to these various companies and you, you say, hey, Daniel is the one that referred me, uh, you did work with him in the past, then they're going to make sure that they take extra special care of you in most instances. Yeah. Um, I mean, even before the movers get involved, we've got to get everything packed up, right? So is that something that movers will help you with? Or do you have to have, say, all your personal belongings, things from your dresser drawers and your kitchen cabinets and all that kind of stuff? Does that all have to be packed up or do the movers assist with that as well? That's a great question. It depends. Uh, it depends on the moving company and what services you're actually pro uh, pro uh, paying for so each provider has its own package so some of them will have a complete moving package where they'll come in and pack up everything for you others will come in and say okay if you've packed up all the the personal items and things from the drawers and put them in boxes then we'll take a look at it and now we just load boxes and furniture that's a separate price so uh, it just depends uh, it literally depends on you as the client what you want and what service you expect to have delivered so each moving company has their own packages uh, where that's concerned Okay, that makes sense. Well, I mean, on that note, I kind of want to give some of the pro tips. Uh, having just gone through a move myself, let's talk about some of the things that you can do to uh, make that move a little bit easier for you. And possibly if you, you know, anticipate making multiple moves in the future, some of the other things that you can do to kind of, 
you know, minimize the costs. So my first tip is going to be swing by Walmart, get you a few of these little $5 bins that they have available there. So um, I've done, you know, everything from going to Walmart and getting any leftover boxes they have, picking up boxes from my place of work, and even buying brand new moving boxes from public storage or Walmart or one of these other places. And it's so much cardboard, so many boxes, so much building of boxes, taping them, and then having to break them down and do all this other stuff. It's, it's a lot of stuff to have to do both before, during, and after the move. Um, now, with these storage bins, they're a little bit more expensive, but they're versatile. You can use them for anything. You can stack them up really easily. You can fill them with as much stuff as you want. A lot of them are going to be water resistant, so you can keep them in the garage or in the backyard. or um, you know, There's all kinds of stuff that you can do with them. Um, they're stackable, so if you don't need to use all of them, you can always stack them up and tuck them in the corner and, and put them away. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of these bins, and like I said, they're only about five bucks a piece uh, for the cheap ones. If you want some really nice expensive ones, they're 10 to 15 bucks, um, and they're a little bit bigger, a little bit more durable. But the $5 ones will do you just fine, especially if you're talking about just one quick move. Uh, but I think my fiance and I spent maybe 100 bucks on 20 of these bins or so, and it made the move so much easier. And not only the move, but storage as well. Because as y'all have heard, if you listen to the previous episodes, we were in our house, sold it, went and stayed with my parents while we stored everything and we're looking for our new home. So if you're in a position where you're gonna have to move multiple times to get from point A to point B, then you're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna do something like that for sure. So you brought up something that's pretty important that I wanna mention, and that's storage. So uh, I just heard of a nightmare from a friend of mine uh, on Facebook, and this is a, a dear friend of mine that she and her husband sold their house and they've uh, packed everything in storage and she went back to check on it. And this is supposedly a climate controlled storage facility and they have two storage units. Both units are completely covered in mold and they did not buy the insurance offered by the storage company. Mind you, this is a brand new storage facility. This is supposed to be climate controlled. And in fact, now the vast majority of their furniture has been molded and like mattresses and things of that nature are completely ruined. Uh, those have to be replaced and they don't have the insurance from the storage facility. They do have a separate insurance rider. So it does cover the vast majority of stuff, but uh, you know, this is a brand new storage facility. So they never expected, and it's climate controlled being climate controlled. That's not supposed to happen. So uh, kind of keep that in mind when you're doing storage, make sure that you get something that truly is climate controlled and check on your stuff frequently. If you start noticing just a little bit of mold somewhere, bring it up to the management uh, because they can do some things to kind of help adjust for that. Uh, typically, it's adjusting the temperature and, and uh, maybe putting a dehumidifier in or things of, those uh, things of that nature. So there, there's some things that can be done in those climate control. But just because it's climate controlled does not mean that uh, your, your property is not going to be subject to some sort of damage some kind of way. Yeah. And on that note, I would highly recommend too that you take a visit to your storage once a week or once every couple of weeks and make sure that your belongings are still there. They're still in the condition that you left them in, that nothing's been tampered with, or that you've had, you know, issues like moisture getting into a climate controlled unit. That that is a nightmare. I I would not want to have to deal with that. No, nor would I. Um, so let's kind of take it back to uh the moving trucks here for a minute. So um, you know, 
there's a lot of different places that you can rent from. Of course, there's U-Haul, there's Penske. You can rent through Home Depot and Lowe's and some of these other places. Most, uh, or not most, but a lot of storage uh, facilities are also going to have access to some of these rental trucks. So there's a lot of different places that you can get them from. But what does the rental process look like? How do you go about getting one? When do you have to return the truck? How does that work? Dad, can you kind of shed a little bit of light for our listeners on that? Yeah, so actually recently I've been involved in a couple of these different things. Um, so there's a couple of ways you can do it. The, the last time that I rented a trailer was actually super, super simple. I uh, went online actually and did everything from my cell phone. I never had to speak to anybody. I reserved it at the location I wanted it. And I was able to drop it back off at the location that I wanted to within a certain time frame. And it was actually very, very simple. I, I was very, very surprised at how simple that was. And I'm not one of these guys that believes in doing everything online. I actually like to, to socialize and interact with people. So I was very pleasantly surprised with that. So there is that, that uh, aspect of it. So for me, uh, I thought that was great. It was, it was really, really very simple. Uh, but then you can also go and visit some of these facilities and understand more about And here's the thing that always gets me is, how do I know how big of a truck to get? So they do have these different sizes, and they tell you how much furniture, how many rooms should fit. Now, mind you, Anytime they tell me that three bedrooms will fit in this particular truck, I've never been able to get three bedrooms in that truck. But then again, our bedrooms are usually pretty full of furniture and storage and things of that nature. So three bedrooms for me may not be three bedrooms uh, for someone else. So you got to kind of keep that in, in mind as well. Uh, and to me, it's always best to, to have too much than not enough. But then there's trouble with that too. What happens if you have a great big truck and you only have two bedrooms worth of furniture? Well, now you've got to secure all of that stuff because guess what? It's going to shift around in motion. It happens all the time. So you might want to get some of those little straps and things of that nature to, to kind of tie things down, maybe some rope or uh, definitely blankets. Blankets are always beneficial because you're going to have furniture that rubs against each other. So with those blankets, it helps prevent some of the damage and scratches that may occur, some of those rub marks. Uh, not that I've ever done any of that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. But uh, but what's great is a lot of that stuff you can actually get directly through the people you're renting the truck from. So they're going to be able to Correct. you know, set you up with straps or rope or dollies or blankets, moving blankets, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's always really good, too. I think uh, our family, we've done enough moves now to where we've invested in all this stuff on our own. We have our own dollies and blankets and straps and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it, it depends what your needs are. If you see uh, the possibility of having to need them again in the future might be worth going ahead and biting the bullet and spending the extra 15 bucks to make it a purchase rather than renting it from the the truck company yeah it's kind of like a pickup truck i've always found a use for a pickup truck yeah always always and it's still on my bucket list i'm gonna get me a truck one of these days (laughs) Um, so what kind of problems should we maybe be aware of? What kind of things should our listeners look out for when they're going through the moving process, whether it be they're moving themselves with friends and family or they're using a moving company? What are some of the things they should be wary of? So there's a number of things to watch out for. Uh, okay, so um, when we're talking about uh, some of the problems to look out for. So first of all, in every single move, I don't care who's moving it, property is going to get damaged. So when property gets damaged, uh, if you've got a moving company that's moving it for you, then who's responsible for that? Well, most of these companies have insurance, so you'll just file an insurance claim with them, and then the carrier will take care of that problem for you. It's it's usually very quick and easy. It's not a big deal. Uh, But uh, one of the other things, too, is that a lot of these, especially the interstate 
drivers, they're responsible for those loads. So even though stuff gets damaged, uh, they may wind up having to pay for that themselves, or at least the deductibles and things of that nature. So they're actually very careful and cautious about how they load their trucks. That's why they don't allow us to get involved in it. They do it themselves because there is uh, a penalty for them if they if something gets damaged. So they're going to do their best not to damage it. But, you know, inevitably, sometimes damage does occur. So you, you'll actually file an insurance claim for that. But one of the other problems to be aware of is when you're moving, a lot of these moving companies will request uh, half payment up front. So I've seen that in the past where uh, people will pay half of it up front, then the, the delivery uh, will not occur on time. So they'll give you a date range to deliver the furniture, and then all of a sudden the moving company has decided uh, they're not going to deliver the furniture. So what is your alternative then? They've got your furniture, and they've got half of the money, so, and they're not delivering it. So what's going on there? Well, sometimes they'll demand that second half of the payment, but you may not want to pay it until it's actually delivered. So then there's these, this going back and forth and back and forth. So when you're doing your research on looking for a, a moving company, that's some of the things to look out for. Look for those kind of comments in the reviews. Uh, you may also check with a Better Business Bureau uh, to find a reputable company. Most companies are not like that, but there are a few out there that will do that. And I've heard of all kinds of nightmares uh, from some folks that have used those, those types of companies. So just be aware of that. Uh, and, and if you can, try to avoid that situation. And again, sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes that's all you've got. So that's who you're going to have to deal with. Just be aware that there could be some issues with that later on, and you may wind up having to, to deal with that in the future. Uh, one of the other things that I, I thought of just a minute ago while you were and I was talking is uh, using a truck or a trailer. So I have a pickup truck, and uh, now I know you have your, your tow bar on, on your vehicle. So uh, the ball uh, for the trailer hitch. So most people don't even think about this, but there are different size balls for different size trailers. So you want to make sure that you have the proper size ball for that trailer. And of course, most of these moving companies will have a ball for you. Uh, they may be priced a little bit more expensive than what you can get at, say, Walmart or maybe online somewhere, but it's not so outrageous that you wouldn't buy it. Uh, and I have found, especially uh, for some of our local uh, folks, those prices are actually very competitive. So uh, if you need an extra ball for the trailer hitch, uh, they've got that for you. They also have the tongue uh, thing. So if you need that, that piece to fit on there. So they've got all that for you uh, for a fee. Uh, I mean, it's just like purchasing something else. Uh, and then the other thing you want to do, too, especially if you're going to be leaving your, your van or your truck or vehicle overnight, is to make sure that you have a really good solid lock, uh, a good quality lock for the trailer. And then you might also want to put another lock on the tongue on, where it connects to the, the trailer hitch. Uh, the main reason is, you know, thieves are out there and they will steal your stuff. So you want to make sure that you have it uh, secured to the best of your abilities uh, so that hopefully uh, you'll prevent the, the, th the theft from occurring. It doesn't always uh, work, but you know, a lot of times that's the best way to do it. Yeah, no, that, that's all really good advice. And nowadays they have these trailer pitch, uh, or sorry, these trailer pin locks for 20 bucks. You can get a good, a good size lock that'll keep your, your trailer hitch ball and everything um, safe and, you know, hopefully keep the thieves away from it. Um, the deadbolt locks, I think, run around that same pr price range, somewhere around 20 to 30 bucks. You can get a really good quality deadbolt lock that you can throw on uh, on the, the truck door. Um, that's all really, really good stuff to have. 
Definitely want to make sure that when you have all of your personal belongings loaded up into one small space that, um, you know, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. Make sure you lock it up real tight. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And finally, one of the other things that I would mention, too, is that if you're moving, say, high-end jewelry or paintings or you've got some family heirlooms or maybe firearms and things of that nature, I would highly suggest that you don't have the movers move those unless you pay for that specific service. Uh, they do have services for those, uh, and they take extra care of them. They're a little bit more expensive. In fact, some of it is a lot more expensive. But then again, how can you put a price on that? Uh, when it comes to moving vehicles, there are services to actually transport and move a vehicle for you. So you can have it delivered from uh, Texas to New York City or from New York City to Texas without a problem. Uh, it's not that expensive to actually do it. Uh, and in some instances, it's a little bit cheaper than driving it. So uh, just kind of keep that in mind, too. You can also have a vehicle done. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, um, that pretty much wraps up everything that I think we had uh, written down in the way of moving. Dad, do you have any uh, closing thoughts for our listeners before we get out of here? I do. Referrals, referrals, referrals. I say it every week, and I'm not going to stop saying it now. Uh, by all means, please reach out to us if you have questions or if you're looking for uh, a mover or uh, someone else, storage facility, things of that nature. Give us a shout. We'll be happy to refer somebody to you. Uh, if you know somebody looking to buy or sell real estate or looking to talk to somebody about buying or sell real estate, please refer them to us and we will be happy to guide them in that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys again for tuning into the Chapel Real Estate Show. Every Tuesday, we're going to be releasing new content for you guys, and we would love to hear what you want to hear about. Um, you know, it's it's pretty tough to come up with uh, relevant content every week, so we would love to hear from our listeners to see what you want to hear about next. Uh, please leave us your comments, your reviews, all that good stuff. Find us on YouTube, um, on the podcast platforms, anywhere podcasts are found, you will find us. So. Visit us online as well. Check out our website and take a look at some of our track record. You will love what you see. Um, and give us a call. We'd love to connect with you guys and get to know you on a more personal level. Thank you guys again for uh, joining us on the Chapel Real Estate Show. This is the Chapel Realty Group signing off. Y'all have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week on the Chapel Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. Find us on social media at Chapel Realty Group and online at chapelrealtygroup.com. Until next time.